Cap. Terrific. So uh, my theme today is partnering with Jesus, uh, but just to, uh, I thought it might be start with, uh, it'd be great to start with a little bit of fun, a bit of a quiz. Okay, so we're thinking about famous partnerships. Okay, so if I say the name of somebody, you need to say who the partner would be. Okay, so if I had Tom and, okay, Batman, Robin, Torval and, okay, too easy, M and, M, M. Oh, we got you. And, well, it could be M&M, or it could be M and, if you're shopping, Sally's favourite place, M&S, yes, okay. Gavin and, okay, too easy, aren't they? Barbie and, an old one, Mork and, oh, yeah, oh, well done, excellent on that. Ant, Deck, okay, fantastic, right. Wallace and, oh, they really are too easy. Simon and, oh, yeah, <laughs> the youngsters don't get that one. Harry and, Oh, yes, I was thinking of Megan, yeah, okay. Okay, like the Bible scholars, David and... No, well, that wasn't a great partnership, was it, really? Yeah, I was thinking of Jonathan, yeah, I think probably one. Paul and... Yeah, yeah, Barnabas, yeah, okay, or Timothy, yeah, fantastic, great, okay. So, but what's the best partnership that we've got, would you say? Whoa, this is getting exciting, isn't it? I think God's on the move, which is exactly what we want. So, what's the best partnership, would you say, that we've got? Jesus, yeah. Us and Jesus, isn't it? Okay, so it's Jesus and me, Jam, you might see it as, or Jim, Jesus in me. Okay, take your pick, Jam or Jim, whatever the same. That's our best partnership, isn't it? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to explore a little bit about our partnership with Jesus. So uh, we're going to do that from uh, John chapter 5. That's where we're up to in the story. Uh, so in terms of picking up the story, we've just had, we've got Jesus' ministry taking off now. Like, a bit like the rain <laughs> and the roof hopefully not taking off. We've had the first, we might be having another miraculous sign today. So we had the first miraculous sign, didn't we, of the water into wine in chapter 4. In chapter, in chapter uh, 4, uh, chapter 2, sorry. In chapter 4, we've got the first healing that Jesus did of the official son. And now we come to the second uh, physical healing. And rather than just read it out... I'd like some volunteers, actually, if you don't mind, to do a sort of spontaneous drama. So I need a couple of volunteers. So would anybody like to be in this? I need four people, if that's okay. Oh, Mike, yeah, you're game, aren't you? Fantastic. Excellent. I'll be the narrator. So, great. Okay, you can be the man, yeah, who's paralysed. Whoops. Oh, Harold. Okay. Okay, right, I need a Jesus figure. He fancies being Jesus. Very easy, very straightforward. Yeah, well done. Okay, and I need two Pharisees just reading out together. Somebody with Abby? Yeah, well done. Thank you. That's great. The two Abbeys. Excellent. So, Mike needs the map. Great. Pharisees need a bit of head covering. They always come out tea towels, don't they, on these things? Okay, so. Fantastic. We'll just see how it goes. No practice here on this one at all. So just to put you in the picture, though, it's at this point in the story that Jesus starts to get it in the neck from the Pharisees. They're openly persecuting him, not happy about what he's doing, of course, really not happy that um, he's healing on the Sabbath. And it's in response to that that Jesus opens up. He's getting into this, isn't he? 
it opens up about his relationship with the Father, okay, the partnership between Jesus and the Father. So as you're all aware, I'm sure, that Jesus' healings are all different. So as you hear this, or see it hopefully acted out um, (laughs) in some way, uh, (laughs) please be listening in and thinking, what strikes you about the surprises in this story? What's a surprise or what stands out to you about this healing? And hopefully I'll ask you, when we've had, when we run through it. Okay, so let's start. Okay, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie: the blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned they had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him. To get, do you want to get well? Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> Very dramatic. <laughs> At once... The man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Hooray! Fantastic. Right, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the, the man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you're well again. Um, stop sinning or something worse could happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I am working too. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son, just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son, does not honor the father who sent him. Fantastic. Right, we'll leave it there. So a round of applause to everybody for taking part. Thank you. Just do you want to put it over there. That's great. Thank you. That's really good. So hopefully that's brought it alive a little bit more than it might have done. So, um, right. So what do we think? What do you think are the surprises in that story? Anyone? Sorry? It happened on the Sabbath? Yeah, that's a surprise, isn't it? Yeah, they're a bit off on one, weren't they, really, on their own agenda? Yes. Anything else? 
his mat as well. Yeah, he did. Yes, yes. So command. So he had a specific command for the man. Yeah. I think on this basis, I might have to rewrite the message. But anyway, <laughs> Any, anything else? Not the things that struck me. Yes, that's one of mine. Thank you very much, Naomi. You can come again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's my number three. Anything else? Hey, oh, sorry. Go and say again. He wanted, if he wanted to get here, which we don't see in the other stories, do we? Anything else then? Last chance? We didn't answer the question. Oh, did you not? Okay. No, he didn't. No, so that's the surprise, isn't it? Yeah, he did actually answer the question. He just said no one's there. So we don't really know if he really wanted to be healed or not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I had three surprises, so uh, there might be a surprise to you. Um, so the first one, which should come up behind us there, is how many he healed. He only healed one person. So there's obviously a whole crowd of people there, isn't there, gathered around this pool, desperate to get in. They were so close, but not close enough for the healing. But they knew if that water was stirred by the, the local springs, they had their chance then, didn't they, to get in and get healed. And uh, no doubt Jesus could have healed them all, but he chose one, didn't he? And it's a bit like, we can picture it as somebody, Jesus, walking into Withenshaw Hospital, into one particular ward, or A&E, and just picking on one person, going in there, healing him, and then walking straight out again. Imagine our response to that. And perhaps that the responses of the people there at the time. Some would be thinking, why didn't they pick me? He should have gone for me. They could be quite jealous, couldn't they? Um, and, um, you know, they, or they might be thinking, having a renewed... It's really difficult with this background noise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm camping or something out in the open. So... <laughs> um, or it could be that, wow, God's move. You know, and they have an increased, a renewed faith in God of what God can do. But of course, for the Pharisees, who we've been concentrating on over here, it was like, this was explosive stuff, wasn't it? As we said before, really. This guy, who did he think he was? A bit of an upstart, trying to healing people, then obviously doing it on the Sabbath, which was for them breaking God's law, because only God could heal on the Sabbath. Only God could heal, uh, could, uh, would be, could be working all the time. Um, and so for them, they had a major problem with this guy, with Jesus. They wanted to protect the law. They were more about, worried about the spirit of the law, uh, sorry, the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. But something I nearly missed when I was reading this story, what's equally surprising perhaps, is that he goes to the man at all. Because most of the healings that I can think of is that they come to him. They're asking him. Or they cry out to him. They take the initiative, don't we? And perhaps he's looking for a faith, you know, to see some faith in them. But in this case, he goes all the way to one man, picks him out, and goes straight to him. We'll come on to why he might do that in a minute. But for now, let's just sort of soak in the fact that he loves every one of us. He loves you. And perhaps for some of us, we need to take that in again today. We're all important. We're talking, after all, about the Good Shepherd who left the 99 on the open field quite vulnerable to go for the lost sheep, for the one. So he's prepared to leave the 99 to go for the one. Every person is so important. When I was at school, I used to scribble things on my hand with my pen. I don't know if anybody else still does that, just to remind me of things that I might forget. 
But it's amazing to think that God has engraved our names on the palm of his hand, as it says in Isaiah 49, 16. He's engraved. That means they're permanently etched. Our names are permanently etched on the palm of his hand. So he's there. He's looking. He's saying, Hannah, I'm just delighting in you today. It could be Sam. What a man of God. He's so good. I'm so proud of him. Or Tina, I'm just singing over you today. Just delighting in you. And that's how he feels about us. And we need to know how special we are to him. He's our good heavenly father. And he hasn't lost sight of us. He still cares for us. However long we've been a Christian, he's still there gunning for you. And he wants to bring healing and wholeness, not only to this guy, but he wants to bring healing and wholeness to each one of us. And just like Jesus values the person, we need to do that as well. And perhaps for some of us, we need to learn that. When um, I organised a school concert, outreach concert, many years ago, a bit like the one that we've got coming up uh, this Wednesday, um, we put so much effort into it, and one person got saved. And I went away quite gutted, actually. I was thinking, all that effort, only one person got saved. But actually, I came to realise, we came to realise as a team, that actually it was so worth it just for the one. And for every one person who responds to God, it's definitely worth it, and everyone matters. So that's the first thing. That was one surprise that I got anyway. He only heals one person. Second one, who does he go to? He goes, it appears, to the hardest person, doesn't he? The most difficult, the most challenging person. The guy who'd been paralyzed or lame and invalid for 38 years. Probably most of his life, probably approaching his 60s. And um, he was probably the one who'd been there the longest out of everybody around the pool. And Jesus goes straight to him. It must have been... So disappointing for the guy, though, if you're trying to put yourself in his shoes, though, that he'd been waiting so long. I spent six hours at A&E a few months ago, and that was long enough. But 38 years is just incredible, isn't it? But we might, he might have been phased out by how difficult it was to try and bring healing to this person. I know when I was on a youth ministry team at Spring Harvest um, a, a while ago, and um, the first, I got the first person in the queue, and he came in on crutches, and a plastered leg. And I was thinking, Lord, no! <laughs> Why did I have to get him? <laughs> but actually, he didn't actually want healing for the, for the obvious thing. He just wanted some inner healing. I think he had a problem with anxiety and so forth. So I was happy to pray for him for that. But actually, these things can stretch our faith, can't they? About what we believe God can do. But actually, he can do the impossible. He, ha- he can do the difficult cases. Whatever it is, he can do it. And he wants to do it. For this guy... He saw himself as an invalid, or perhaps he saw himself as invalid, that his life really didn't count. But actually, for Jesus, everybody's life does count. It really does matter. And God's agenda is obviously for the whole of us. He, wants, he takes a holistic view of us, body, soul, and spirit. We were learning at the Men's Ascent day, weren't we, with the guy there talking about eight parts to us. I still haven't, like you, haven't worked out what eight parts there are to me. But anyway, the guy where was confident that there's eight bits to us, not body, soul, and spirit. And uh, so if you can work that out, that's great. Uh, but we are complicated beings. But God knows everything about us. He's involved in that. Uh, and he understands us. He gets us. So coming back to that question. Um, um, sorry. The, the question there which Naomi raised was that he asked him to get if he wants to get well. And I think that is a surprise. When he's talking about do you want to get well, he's asking... Do you want to be fully well, body, soul, and spirit? 
And uh, I think I've run ahead of myself there. But anyway, um, he is after the whole of us, isn't he? He wants the whole of the person to be made well. And uh, that's what he's after. We may think it's a stupid quest, a bit of a no-brainer, like somebody stood at the bus stop. Obviously, they're waiting for the bus, aren't they? This guy's been sat there for 38 years. Surely he wants to get well. But actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a question that needs to be asked, and we need to ask people, don't we, is do you really want to get well? Because there are people who don't, they don't want help. We find that in our family mentoring scene that we're involved with at work, is there's people who just don't want other people's help. They want to just struggle on. So it has to be asked there. But also, Jesus knew in this case it was the guy's sin that was causing his problem. We don't know what the sin was. Maybe uh, pornography, maybe cheating on people, maybe he was a compulsive liar. But the fact is that sin can have that effect on us. It, it, it paralyzes us. It brings us into bondage. And we can actually define sin as something that brings us into bondage. Another helpful definition I came across recently was anything that's not in the nature of Christ. So it's a bit like, if Jesus wouldn't think it, say it or do it, we shouldn't be involved in that. And it's not that we want to focus so much on sin, which we can be in danger of doing. It's that we need to realise that God's got higher purposes. He wants to bring, he wants us to experience his life and his freedom. He wants to set us free so that we might love him and love other people fully, that we might really live properly, fully. And that's the life, that's his agenda, if you like, that's his destiny for us, is that we might live free. So for this guy, is he prepared to give that thing up that he was struggling with, having lived with it for so long? Was he prepared emotionally to give it up as well? Because, again, he'd get used to handouts, wouldn't he? presumably lying there people feel sorry for him supposedly in those times you could lose a good living if you got cured so it actually might be better off actually not being cured than actually being healed and so for him it could have been a bit of a decision does he really want to get well but perhaps the biggest surprise which was so easy for us to miss is that Jesus doesn't judge him because he could have judged him for his sin he saw you know the sin on him if you like but he didn't judge him he, really, he, he reached out into him grace and compassion. Um, and Jesus could easily have withheld his, his healing, couldn't he? He didn't deserve it at all, but he didn't go like that. I think we can be too quick um, to judge and not show empathy or compassion with people. We've seen this on a national scale, haven't we, with um, Harry and Meghan. And uh, obviously they're wanting to redefine their royal roles, but... Actually, the torrents of abuse, if you saw on social network, uh, networking sites, was just incredible, really. It's that all that sympathy that Harry used to get is just completely gone. And it's just complete abuse, really, taking the mick out of them. Um, and, and obviously, they do have great privileges. But really, we need to look behind all that, don't we? And we need to look with Jesus' eyes. And we need to have that sense of compassion for people. Because what Jesus got, and what we don't always appreciate is that we all have a backstory. There's a reason why we are the way we are. And uh, I'll give you a silly example there, is that I really don't like cats. Maybe people who love cats here. <laughs> um, and I really struggle with them. And it was my one condition getting married to Sally was that we wouldn't have a cat, because she had one before. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> and, um, but what you don't know about it is that my auntie used to take in strays and we used to have to visit even once a year, and it was just awful. The whole place just stunk of cats. 
cat, stray cats were wandering behind me on the sofa. They gouged out all the, all the material out of the sofas. Her cupboards were full of cat food. It was just absolutely dreadful. I've been traumatised ever since. I know you feel sorry for me there. And, um, but, you know, it's that there's always a backstory to things. You know, there's always something behind it. In the same way, when we think of drug addicts or those who are less fortunate than us, who are on the streets or whatever, we, we can be so tempted to judge... But we need to ask, what horrendous situations have they been through that would cause them to be in that situation? And we need, like Jesus, to be moved with compassion and let that outweigh any attitude that we might have otherwise. I've been reading a great book recently uh, by somebody called Anne Voskamp called The Broken Way. And that she says there that as Christians, compassion is our complete vocation. We don't just care about people. Caring is our calling. I don't know if you agree with that. I think those who are really hot on compassion, like Sally, my wife, uh, would really go a big yes to that. But for the rest of us, you know, perhaps that's something we need to grow in. But compassion is so important as our calling uh, as a Christian. Right, if we get back to the story, though, rather than getting applauded by the people who should have known better, the, the Pharisees, he really gets it in the neck, doesn't he? And Jesus has to justify this healing on the Sabbath. And he does this by giving two tremendous truths, or two gold nuggets, which should come up, I think, next. Okay, and these both relate to how Jesus sees himself relating to the the Father, and in fact, they're both one, as demonstrated by the healing. So the first truth, the first gold nugget, if you like, is my Father is always at work, 24-7. Even the Jews accepted God could work on the Sabbath in sustaining all things but no one else could. And it's true. We've got Jesus' assurance there, haven't we, that God is always at work. And that is such a great thing, isn't it, to give us confidence. We have that assurance that God is always at work. He's always at work in your life. That things aren't just down to me to organise and sort out and do, but he's at work behind the scenes. And it's all down to his timing as well. Often there's a kairos moment, a sort of now moment when things happen. Like, at the moment, we're seeing the blossom coming in the garden, don't we? Which is absolutely lovely. It's really good. We see it in the uh, water into the wine uh, miracle, don't we? That my time has not yet come. But it's funny, when mum's around, things get done. And it gets changed, doesn't it? Suddenly, his time has come. So, we've also got Jesus coming at the right time. In Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God knows the timing for things. His timing is perfect. So what sort of things is God doing? What's the Father's business? What can we expect? Well, from John's perspective, it's to bring light and life. That's the key themes for the gospel. Not, illustrated here, not just in healing, but in salvation, restoration, reconciliation. More than what we just see as perhaps spiritual, not just restricted to what we see in the church either, but out in the communities, out in society. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Um, There's a book by Robbie Dawkins that I've been looking at. He's a vineyard pastor in the US, and it's called Do What Jesus Did. And he says, the good news of the kingdom doesn't just stop short with us as individuals. It's also about healing us in relationship to our world, its lands, and its peoples. It's about the restoration of families, the building up of communities, the care of our environment, the redemption of cities, and the glory of nations to be restored as God's unique expression 
and celebration of himself on earth. You see, we need a big vision, don't we, of God at work on the full canvas of society. I've seen much more of this working now at Rock, a national charity, uh, as we see the needs in communities all over the country and being aware of those needs and how we might respond to those, whether it's neighbours coming together to try and overcome local isolation. There's so much isolation in society today, as we're, I'm sure, fully aware of. And it could be just neighbours coming together, or it could be setting up projects like mentoring, family mentoring projects to try to provide support, ongoing support for families. But I was thinking one of the biggest mission fields is in schools, isn't it? And that's really where it would be great to see God at work. But one of the best things I heard recently was, um, um, was of a lad who had heard a talk by uh, the Respect Me uh, mission team, which is part of the message I understand. And the lad um, was just talking about the fact that he wasn't, he wasn't somebody who had been bullied. He wasn't a victim, but he was actually the bully. And he'd been so convicted by the talk that he actually stood up in front of the whole school and apologised for all the people that he'd bullied and had a bad, you know, it, it, it sort of um, affected in a bad way. And um, I just think that's incredible, really. So we might not be seeing revival, but the fact is that there was conviction on this guy come from nowhere. And so God is at work, and he's, he's even at work in the schools. I remember Andy Hawthorne saying a, a while ago that there's more people becoming Christians today in the world than ever before. Difficult to take in, isn't it, from a UK perspective? But it's like, that's the truth. That's what's going on. More people are getting saved. Rianne was mentioning uh, a few weeks, I understand, uh, about a mini-revival in South Wales. Hundreds, if not thousands of people getting saved and healed. That's great, isn't it? But how much do we want to see it in our area, you know, on our patch, don't we, in our time? And that's my real desire, is that we might see that. And again, while we might not see and appreciate all that God is doing, we can know, we can have that confidence that he's working for our good and for his glory. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. That was the first golden nugget. The second one there, I'll just have a quick drink because I'm getting a bit thirsty. The, the son can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So let's get to that question. Why did Jesus only heal one person? I was looking in commentaries, they didn't seem to have an answer, so I don't know if I'm being a bit too clever here. But I just thought it was because he was led by the Father just to this guy. That's what he was doing. He was following the leading of the Holy Spirit. He was following the leading of the Father. And that's what, that's what they were doing, because obviously the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit are all entwined, aren't they, together, they work together. But that's what the Father was doing. He was working on this guy, bringing healing, bringing forgiveness and restoration Jesus recognised that perhaps the spirit was hovering over this man and he just knew to go straight to him and bring that healing. He responded to what he saw. And for us, I think we can feel like Jesus, he, he might have felt overwhelmed by the need. Because imagine going into that place, being like in hospital, isn't it? And you're just overwhelmed by the problems you see and the difficulties and you can feel quite heavy. I'm sure Jesus wasn't immune to that. But instead of focusing on the overwhelming need, he did and saw what he could do and got on with that. And for us, I think it's a matter of not just being overwhelmed by the needs of what we see around us, whether it's at work or in Withinshaw, at home or wherever. It's actually just what can we focus on, what we're seeing Jesus doing and getting on with that. 
There's a little picture coming up next, I think, Graham, if that's okay. So, have we all come across this? WWJD, I'm sure we have. We might have got the bracelet or uh, had the bookmark or whatever it is, the key ring. Yeah? Anybody know what that is? What would Jesus do? Fantastic. And I was thinking, that's a great question. But I think we can go one better from the passage today, which is WIJD. What do you think that would be? Hey? What is Jesus doing? Yeah, I think that's more the question, isn't it? Because he's, he's at work now, isn't he? It's not going to second guess what he's doing. He's at work. We might not always appreciate it, but he is at work. And it's, and it's working with him, in partnership with him, where we can do that. But the problem is, if you're like me, you're one of those half, the glass is half empty rather than half full. So it's rather, what isn't he doing, rather than what he is doing. And um, I'm not too good at this. And to be honest, this message has been bringing out all my weaknesses. So it's a bit of a difficult one, but I know God's speaking to me about it, even if uh, it's nobody else. But there's one time Sally will never forget with me, is that we went to her parents to celebrate Christmas, and it was the Christmas lunch. And they were so pleased with themselves, because they got everything spread out. Lovely feast, it looked absolutely fantastic. And all I could do was pipe up and say... But where's the cranberry sauce? And it's like, I couldn't believe it. They, couldn't, they, couldn't, they didn't have a cranberry sauce. But anyway, we've corrected that now. So we always have cranberry sauce. But it's typical me. I see the thing that's missing, you know, or, or the thing that's not happening. You might be a bit like that. I don't know. But when it comes to Jesus, we can be like that as well, can't we? It's so easy to concentrate on what he's not doing than what he is doing. And I long to see miracles like the one that we've read about today, where we're just like a command. Jesus is there and there's a command and somebody's saved, uh, somebody saved or healed. And that will be amazing. And obviously we need to look for that. We don't want to give up hope on that at all. Um, but we don't focus on perhaps what's not happening now, do we? We need to focus on what is happening. What is Jesus doing? And I think we can get a bit downhearted if, when we look particularly at our own lives and we see unanswered prayers. And that can stop us being thankful for what God either has done in our life or is doing now. And really, we could come across as quite ungrateful kids because actually we're not being positive about him. We're actually just focusing on the negative. In the same way, in parenting, I've been learning, probably too late now, that with a child's behavior, this is a tip for any of you young kids, is that if you don't know this already, I'm sure you do, is that you can have reward charts for good behavior. But they used to teach you have reward charts for bad behaviour as well. So you'd have stickers saying with being a bad lad. So you'd actually realise you'd been really bad, you know. So you might have more on that side than this side. But actually, now the, the thinking is very much to have just charts for good behaviour because you want to accentuate the positive, get them focused on the positive. And it's the same with us. We need to focus on the positive of what God is doing rather than list all the negatives. And our prayers are like, oh, Lord, you're not saving anybody this week again. Or nobody's healed or I'm not any better. And we need to be saying, let's join in with the positive. Let's get in on the good stuff that's happening. Right, okay. So, yeah, and I think when we're aware of that, it's good to have testimonies, which you've had this morning. It's good to be aware of what's happening elsewhere, whether it is South Wales, might be back home in Nigeria somewhere, you know, there's a revival breaking out, and we're just thinking, oh. But let's be thankful for what we do see, even here in Withenshaw. So if I haven't gone on for too long, I've got some keys for a breakthrough in this whole area, which I know have been helpful to me and uh, might be helpful for us to think about today. So I'll do these fairly quickly because I think probably 
time's getting on. So number one is to hand over our disappointments to God. And for some of us today, that's where we just need to camp out. We don't get any further than this. We just say, God, I am so disappointed. And we have to be really honest about it. We haven't seen these healings, miracles, the things that I've signed up for, that I'd really hoped for, or I've not seen the answer to prayer in my own life. You know, I've been struggling with an ongoing illness or whatever it is, or my best friend is, or my mum is, whatever it is, that's not going away. It's, it's just it's staying with me, and it's permanently attached to me, and I can't shake it off, and I am so disappointed. And we need to be real with God with that. It may be, you know, we're not married and we want to be married. It may be we want kids and we can't have kids. It may be just not seeing the fruit that you want to see in your life. And this can go really deep. So I'm, I'm not talking about light stuff here today. I'm talking about stuff that has been with us for 38 years or more or been with us all our lives. And, uh, but God can still deal with that. There is hope. So let's hand over our disappointments to God. Second, Let's pray for spiritual eyes to see where the Holy Spirit is already at work. We may be surprised, like the song said, and I love it, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you, I want to see you, and I want to see where you're working as well. And um, a great place to do that is to do it together. We've started the prayer meeting, haven't we, on Monday. That was terrific. It felt a real power base there. I think that's going to really add a lot of strength for the church fellowship, reaching out as well. And it's like, let's do it together. Let's learn to see what God's doing together in that. Third thing, some of these are quite obvious, common sense, but it's just good to pull them together. Praise him and be thankful for what we do see and bless that work. Be encouraged by what we see uh, him doing elsewhere. And when it comes to the area we live in, having a good attitude, how easy do you find it to love with ensure? Or is it easy to knock it and say, what, what a dreadful place or whatever? Or it's nothing special. And actually, we need, we need to do these things up, I believe. We need to honour places where we live. And that's what God wants us to do. So, and, you know, people have these campaigns, don't they, of, of love Northern or love with Sure. And I think that's a great thing to get into. And I'd love to see us doing a campaign like that, where we're just out to bless the people, the residents, the people who work in our area. Um, and we really honour what's going on in our patch. So that's number three. Number four was don't despise small beginnings but pray for an increase. And all these things, sorry, I'm not having a go at anybody here at all. I'm speaking to myself here. Because I know it's easy, isn't it? You see the little and you're just thinking it's a bit pathetic or whatever. It could be a lot more. But let's pray for an increase in what we do see. I don't know if you know the story going biblical stuff here. Uh, The story of Elijah. What did he ask the servant to go and do? And you remember to go and look out on the horizon and to see what? A cloud. So the, to start with, there was absolutely... He went seven times. And on the seventh time, he saw a cloud as big as a man's hand. And then it grew. The sky got black. The clouds got bigger. And then it went right all the way to heavy rain like today. So perhaps that should have been the message for today. And, um, and so it, came, it started from nothing. And for us, it may start from nothing, but we need to grow to that. I know that part of the vision for the church here is to be centres, or for the whole, the whole of King's Church, in fact, is to be a centre of healing, which uh, I hadn't realised until this last week. Um, but it's like we have to start somewhere. We can't just suddenly become that, can we? We have to work towards it. So let's pray for an increase in healings. Let's pray for today that God might work. Let's notice the small things that are already happening in terms of evangelism. 
We obviously want full conversion straight away, somebody to respond and come to the front and say, what must I do to be saved? But actually, let's appreciate the good conversations that you have at work. You know, just the little good conversations that you might have. Um, it might be somebody responding to come to church or come to, you know, one of our family days or whatever it is. Just, you know, just a step in the right direction. Let's appreciate those, not just the big things. In healings, obviously we want to see people f- fully healed, don't we? But actually, let's, let's just appreciate, even if it's a percentage improvement. There was a guy at Deeper who, um, who came forward and he said he'd been suffering with laryngitis and he just said how much better his voice, his voice was then after having prayer. And it's like he got a certain percentage increase. It was a lot better than it had been before. And it was great that he was prepared to testify that. And, um, and it's like, well, let's pray for more of that, you know. Um, it, it's, it's just so good to have that testament there, isn't it? Um, but even if we don't see healing, we can still love people. We can still sh- show care and compassion, and we need to do that. There's also that power in testimony as we share what God's doing. I think that's something we're really good at. Our previous church, they, used it, they took it a step further. So if somebody said they got, um, they'd had a bad arm and they got healed, they actually, they actually stood up and said, I've got this, I've been healed here. And then they would pray for anybody else who needed healing in that particular area, like the left arm. And, I just thought, and there seemed to be a grace in that. Is that and it builds expectation, doesn't it? It's like God's... God's healing left arms or whatever it is. And it's like, yes, let's go for that. So I think, I think there's something in that. And God will honour that. Number five, quickly. Actively partner with him. At Rock, where I work, we say, if it's not partnership, it's not rock. In the sense that we're partnering with local authorities and councils and the police and so forth. And if it's not partnership with other agencies, it's not us. In the same way, it's not kingdom if we're not partnering with Jesus. We've got to part with you. It's not about me. It's not what I can do. I can do nothing by myself, as even Jesus said. But actually, it's working with God, isn't it? But anything's possible with him. He's the best partner ever. We're totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, as we know. Everything's impossible otherwise. And running ahead in John, chapter 14, 20, Jesus says, I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. And the fact is, it's that close with the Father and Jesus. Our relationship... We're in Jesus and Jesus is in us. We couldn't get any closer. And so we're actually an extension, if you like, of Jesus. So if we're praying for somebody and reaching out, we're actually reaching out with the hands of Jesus. We're going with the feet of Jesus. So it's incredible to think that's how close Jesus is working in and through us. I mean, I, I prayed for a lot of people in my time. And I'd like to have said, I've got some amazing stories. But the thing that sticks in my mind is John Wimber saying, don't give up until you've prayed for the first two or three hundred. It's like, goodness, I'm still on that journey. You know, but there is something about that perseverance, isn't it? Sticking at it. And we've got to do that. And I think God's looking for some of that. But again, it just shows, you know, we are dependent on him. But for some of us, it may be we've given up on healing and just thought, well, he's not doing it now, is he? You know, he's had his chance. So I would just challenge you today and, and just say, Lord, you know, I want to believe again. And for you to restart, and it may be a long time since you last stepped out and prayed for somebody to be healed. 
it's helped me doing this message because it's really provoked me. And I've got to say, as I've been saying in my little huddle, is um, actually it meant I've, I've gone out of the boat and I'm at work I've prayed for people physically to be healed. And um, again, hopefully a marginal improvement. Who knows? But I've actually done it. So I've started again. Would you be willing to start again and actually take that step of faith? Because the Christian life is meant to be an adventure. We talk about that. But sometimes it feels flat. But if it's flat, it's not because of Jesus. Unfortunately, it's because of us. Because his life with him, he's continually at work 24-7. We've just got to keep up with him. And, um, and, and that's what it's about, really. And the big question from all this today is, what are you doing, Lord, and how can I join in? What are you doing, and how can I join in? And then, as we learn from the wedding in Canaan, chapter 2, do whatever he tells you to do. So we're listening, aren't we? To be obedient to do what he asks us to do. Robbie, Robbie Dawkins, to quote him again, we just show up, he says, in terms of a healing. We just show up, we're there, come alongside the person, and then respond to what he says for us to do. So we're just responsive to God in that. So, as I say, my intention this year is to be continually on mission for God, to be looking not for the masses, but for the individual to come and bless, come alongside to pray for and support. And so when was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone? Are you prepared to do that again? As it's been said, if we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. And we have to trust him in that. And I don't think there's a cost in this because God always does something. He might not always do the physical healing that we want, but he always does something. And I think that, for me, gives me a lot of confidence stepping out to pray for people is that, okay, they might not have the dramatic story, but they've been blessed, they've been honoured, they've received God's love, and they know they've had a touch from God. And then the last thing is, when it comes to your own need to be vulnerable again, and Again, it's really difficult. If we've been struggling with something or, or struggling to support somebody else for a long time, it can be really difficult to open up again. We're talking about that in the worship, weren't we, about opening up. And um, it, it's easy to settle for second best. But actually, if it's on God's agenda to, to bring healing and wholeness, we need to respond to that. It may be we've been struggling with depression or anxiety or a long-term health issue. But let's remember nothing is impossible with God. And perhaps even more important, that undergirding everything is God's grace. My grace is sufficient for you. So whether we have the healing or we don't, or just a marginal healing, his grace is there for us. So I have done some preparation for this because I've actually got some questions for our little huddle groups this week. So uh, just from this talk. So they're over there at the back if you want to get them. I might put them on WhatsApp later. Um, but I've really shared what, what was on my heart for today. So what I'd like us to do now is just to pause and for you to ask God and say, Jesus, what are you doing now and how can I join in? So let's just do that now. Just ask Jesus, what are you doing and how can I join in? Sally, if you want to come up.
Okay, if you're ready, if you'd like to stand, I think that would be a really good thing to do, just as a response. And let's just, I'll just pray, and uh, we'll just take it from there. Yeah. Father, thank you that you have been speaking to us today. Lord, forgive us where we have felt disappointed in you, Lord. But Lord, we want to give those disappointments back to you, Lord, where they belong. Just pray, Lord, that we want to trust you again, to believe in you again. Lord, that we might pursue your agenda for healing and wholeness, Lord, for ourselves, for others that are close to us, and for everyone else, Lord. We want to see your kingdom come. And Lord, forgive us where we haven't stepped out of our comfort zone, and help us to do that, Lord, again. And Lord, we just thank you that your healing presence is here today. So Lord, do what you want to do, Lord. Lord.